In Joshua chapter 2, while you're turning there, let me ask you a question. Have you ever done something in your past that you've regretted? No, I heard one no. We have one liar in the building. All of us have done things that we've regretted. How about this? Have you ever wanted to go back and change some things? Yes, yes. There are a few, just a few things in my life. I'm lying. There are a lot of things in my life that I wish I could go back and change. Some of the things I said, some of the things I did to my mother, I would love to go back and change. My parents were just up um, this week, and uh, my kids were playing around, and I saw myself in them, and I looked to my parents, and I said, I'm sorry. I'm just so sorry. And uh, so there's things I would like to go back and change. Honestly, there are some things uh, with my wife that I've said and done to my wife that I would love to go back and change, do over. I messed up big time. Um, there are things um, that uh, with my kids that I wish I could go back and change. There are some things that I've done, um, probably not in the right spirit, that I wish I could reverse. So basically, we've all done things in our lives that we wish we could change or we could reverse or anything. We've, we've made decisions that we wish, oh, I probably shouldn't have made that decision. I wish I could go back and do that again. We've all had things maybe even forced upon us that we wish we hadn't had forced upon us and we wish we wouldn't, had never gone through. But sometimes it's these things, these things that we wish we could go back and do that keep us from moving forward. Why? Because we're looking backwards at them. They, they, they hold us there. It's as if we're, we're so concerned about those things that we can't move forward the way that God has intended. Sometimes it's these problems, these situations that hold us back and never allow us to reach our God-given potential. It's something that, that really stagnates us and keeps us from moving as God has intended. Such is the story that we're going to look at today. Would you take a look at Joshua chapter 2 in verse 8? For those of you who are thinking, weren't we in Joshua chapter 6 last week? Yes. I did skip over some things purposefully, and so now we're going to go back and look at them here in Joshua chapter 2. We're going to read a bit of a lengthy portion, but hopefully it will give you the entirety of the story. Joshua chapter 2, look at verse 8. The Bible says this, And before they were laid down, this is talking about two spies that came in to look at the land of Jericho, she, being Rahab, came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you, when you came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon, and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt." Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours. If ye utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window 
for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned. And afterward, ye may go your way. May ye go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the, the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring by thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, and then we will be quit of thine oath which thou hast made us, to swear. Verse 21. And she said, According unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. Watch this. And she bound the scarlet line in the window. I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled, Forward Despite Your Past. Forward Despite Your Past. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be here this morning. Father, we don't take it lightly. And this is a time that we've all given in order to hear from you. And Father, I pray that they would, that we all would. Father, I pray today that we would maintain the focus of moving forward, keep our eyes on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Father, I pray that you would help us to move forward even despite our past, no matter what our lives have come, have, have done. And Father, I pray that you would keep us in line with you. Thank you so much for dying on the cross. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Forward despite your past. I want you to I want to give you three statements this morning in regard to your past. The first one is this. Your past is your past. Think about that. It's not that hard. It's not that difficult. It's not a major deal to come up with this. This wasn't a very difficult statement for me to think of. But seriously, think about this. Your past is your past. You, it's yours. Own it, okay? A lot of times we go, well, it was my dad's problem, or it was my mom's problem, or it was this, that, or the other thing. Listen, your past is your past. Own it. Here's another thing, is it's your past. It's, it's, it's done. It's over with. It's already gone by. Know this, there is nothing you can do to change your past. Nothing. There's nothing that you can do that will fix your past. Now, there are things you can do to move away from that. But there is nothing you can do to change your past. I want you to go to Joshua chapter 2 and look at verse 1 with me. Joshua chapter 2 and look at verse 1. The Bible says this, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went, and they came into a what? Harlot's house named Rahab, and lodged there. The Bible does not mince words, and for the record, the, every word in the Bible is important. Every word in the Bible is there for a reason. Understand this, Rahab's occupation was a harlot. Rahab's occupation was a prostitute. That's what she did. That's how she made her money. That's what she was known as at this point in her life. This is who she is. 
or shall I say this is who she was? There is nothing she can do to change her past. Oh, there could have been lots of things that she could have done. She could have chose a different career path. She could have made better decisions as a young lady. She could have done all of those things. But listen, all those things are past. They're gone. There's nothing you can do about that. But the Lord brings us to this point in her life, this point in the story for a reason. Your past is your past. In fact, this, think about this. It is her past that is used to determine her future. It is her past that is used to determine her future. God uses what you may have done in the past, and he uses it to bring you to a point of decision, a point of how am I going to change my future. Did you happen to notice in this story what was put on display? What was put on display? Something was hung for all the world to see. Did anybody catch it? Scarlet thread. Scarlet line. Do you ever wonder why the Bible's so descriptive? Do you ever wonder why the Bible has it said that it was a scarlet thread or a scarlet line? Do you ever wonder that? Do you ever, do you ever think, why, why, did, why not just say just it was a rope? Dropped a rope out the window. Hey, and if you hang this rope, that's what we will understand. I want to give you something, and look at verse 15, I just want to show you this again. The Bible says, then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. Verse 18, behold, when, she, when we come into this land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by. Verse 21, and she said, according unto your word, so be it, and she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. It very easily could have wiped over the fact that it was scarlet, but this is so, so important. This scarlet thread has intrigued me for quite some time. Why is the Bible so specific? I want you to understand this. I've studied this out, and it's pretty exciting. Scarlet in the Bible has two connotations. Two. The first one is regality regalness it's used in the in the temple in a lot of ways it's 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 woven through the the temple threads and and through the clothing the priest clothing uh, it's talked about in other places as a, being a king's garment by the way Jesus Christ had a robe of scarlet placed upon him making fun of him for being the king of the Jews so it's almost a regal position somebody placed in a in a position of honor so to speak but the second one is this. The second one is that of sin. Scarlet is that of sin. The Bible says this, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Again, there was a scarlet robe placed upon Jesus. Though they probably used that as making fun of him for being king of the Jews, what else was placed upon Jesus spiritually? The sin of the world. The sin of the world was placed upon him. If you also, uh, uh, let me uh, show you this verse, Revelation chapter 17, verses 3 to 5. The Bible says this, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, 
full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Watch this. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So I hope you're getting the idea here that scarlet is not necessarily the best color. It's sin. It's tied to harlotry as we see here even in this story. There's a few other things that we could spend some time on if you really want to get into uh, um, literature. The scarlet letter. Listen, that was not a good thing. That was not something exceptional that this lady was to wear. It was in a big scarlet A to, to, to show that she had committed adultery. So listen, the, the scarlet is not a good thing, especially in this story. The scarlet line was something that was normal for her to have. She had it. The, the men didn't have it. The men didn't have this scarlet robe. They, they was already in Rahab's house. It was probably even normal for her to have hanging out her window. I want you to think about this with me. The men of Jericho that were pursuing the men of Israel. How many days did it take before they were to come back? She said it. It was three days. Go hide in the mountains for three days and when the pursuers are returned. Don't know how she knew that. Don't know, I don't understand. But can, do you think this? Do you not think that when the pursuers came back, they could see something hanging out her window? Do you not think that they would go, ah, that's odd, that's weird. Why would she have a, a scarlet line hanging out her window? Here's what I believe, and again, please understand, this is my opinion. The Bible doesn't explicitly state this. But I believe this. That may have been her I'm open for business sign. It was something normal. Something that everybody could have thought, well, that's normal. Otherwise, they would have come and questioned Rahab again. They would have asked her, hey, where are those men? We see the scarlet line. You obviously, you let them down the window. I believe that it was her open for business sign. It was normal for her to have this out. It was normal. It would have not drawn any further attention. It was something that she could put out and not worry about. But let's go ahead and look at this from a spiritual perspective. Rahab was proclaiming and putting her past on display. Do you realize that? In this statement, in Joshua chapter 2, she already states this. Your God that you serve, he is the Lord of heaven. He is all powerful. We understand that it's him doing the work. And so by her, she understands all this. And so now Rahab is proclaiming and putting this cord out the window and saying, I am a harlot. I am a prostitute. This is my sin. This is what I have done. Here is my past. If you will, she was recognizing her need. Why did she hang it out the window in this specific story? It was hung out the window because she had a need. There was a, a group of people coming that were going to destroy her city. There was a group of people coming that were going to destroy every person in the city. And because of the wonderful thing that she did in not uttering the business of the, of the children of Israel here, because of this thing, 
She is able to even hang that out and say, this is what I am. I need help. This is why it's out there. It is on display because I, I have a need. Write this down if you would. The regrets from your past should help you to move forward. The regrets from your past help you to move forward. Listen, why do you have regrets? I guarantee you this. It's not to sit there and regret them all the time. And sit there and worry about them all the time. Listen, your greatest lessons are your greatest failures. You learn from failing. So if you have regrets, listen, help them push you forward. Look at what Rahab says here in Joshua chapter 2, verse 9. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. I know that. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the king, two kings of the Amorites, and were on the other side Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. He is that God. Listen, she is recognizing her need. She is saying, listen, our hearts melt. We can't stand up to your God. He is heaven and earth. He is everything. He is, he's wasted away, Sihon and I. He's allowed you to come over this Jordan River. We'll see in a little bit. All of these things, she knows her need. She knows, and listen, if you understand that your past is your past, it is what it is, but there are regrets, there are problems. Listen, let that propel you forward. Let that move you forward and do something about your past. Let it move you forward. She not only recognizes her need, but she recognizes who God is. By the way, often those are one in the same. They kind of go hand in hand. When you begin to recognize who God is, you really begin to see who you are in light of him. But because of that, I want you to see number two, your past does not have to keep you down. Your past does not have to keep you down. Joshua chapter 2, look at verse 15. The Bible says this, Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the what? Really? Upon the wall? And she dwelt upon the wall. By the way, also, she let them out of the city. Why would, why would she let them down through a window inside the city? This is important. You say, Pastor Owens, why is this so important? Let me show you. Go to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Just a couple pages over. Look at verse 20. I'm in Judges. I'm sorry, I went... Way too far. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 20. The Bible says this. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. Look at verse 22, though. But Joshua had said unto the two men that spied out the country, go into the harlot's house and bring out hence the woman and all that she hath, 
as ye swear unto her. Verse 23. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. Anybody picking it up yet? Rahab lived on the wall. Everybody that was to be saved was to be inside her house. They put her inside this house. They put them all inside this house that is on the wall. And the Bible says that the wall fell down what? Flat. Now let me ask you a question. If you live in a stone house that's on a wall, that's like 30 feet high, and it falls down flat, are you going to live through that? This is purely speculation again. But I, I believe that the Bible is pretty clear. Listen, the wall falls down flat except for her house. I can imagine that her house is the only part of the wall still standing. If, if, it, if it's not, they would have been seriously injured, if anything. Or absolutely killed. What if she had done this? What if she had just hung the scarlet cord? What if she had just left it there and then went to her father's house? And stayed in the city? What did the men of Israel say? If you're not in your house, this house, this is where you need to be. She would have died with the rest of the inhabitants. Hear this. The recognition of her past did not save her. It was her faith in the promise of God. The recognition of her past did not save her. So it wasn't the hanging of the cord that saved her. It was the faith in the promise of God that saved her. Listen, can you imagine? I, this is just the way my mind works. I imagine the walls just falling down all around her and maybe even getting closer to her. And she's in the house of her family going, oh, no. Oh, no. Look at the walls. are getting closer, getting closer, and they're all just getting ready to fall. And it's as if a straight line is cut on both sides and there stands her house. Again, please understand that's speculation. The Bible is not explicit about that. But listen, it was her faith in the promise of God. It was in her faith that God would perform that which he had said he would. She had to be in her house even though the walls were tumbling down. Even though her house was on the wall. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 31 says this. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. When she had received the spies with peace. Guys it was all by faith. It was by faith that the harlot Rahab didn't. It was by faith that her, her, her house stood. Understand this. Your past does not have to keep you down. It doesn't have to knock you down. If you will follow the instruction and the promises of God, you can stand through everything else. You can stand through anything. Why? Because God has promised. God has promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He has promised that he will, he will be, you will be more than conquerors. He has promised you all of these things. It's a recognition, not in your past, but in a recognition of your faith in God, everything else can fall around you. Everything. Your, your life can fall apart, literally fall apart. 
Your past can be just whatever it might be. Listen, all of these things, it just can be so bad. But your past does not have to keep you down. You can stand up tall. Finally, I want you to see number three. You can move forward despite your past. You can move forward despite your past. Look at Joshua chapter 6 again with me. Look at verse 25. The Bible says this. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive. That's great. Wonderful. And her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. We all look at this and go, man, it's an awesome story. Man, this is great. I mean, somebody that was a Canaanite, somebody that wasn't just a Canaanite, an enemy of God, really, but a, a harlot, somebody that wasn't any good, really, in society, was maybe even looked down upon in society. Man, she, she lives with Israel now. She's saved alive in her father's house and her mother and, and everybody that she had in that house today. What a wonderful story. Can I give you some encouragement today? That's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story. Sometimes you think, man, I just wish I could get out of my past. Right? And listen, we're all there. We all have things that we wish we could change. We all have things that, that we don't want to keep us down anymore. Oh, I just wish I could get out of this rut, this, this, this past. And if we do, we're excited, we're pumped, we're, we're, I mean, we're oh, so ecstatic about getting out of our past. Listen, that's a wonderful thing, but it should never stop there. It should be constantly moving forward. Is that all we can hope for from our past is just a better life? I want to, I want to go to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, look at verse 1. The Bible says this. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob begat Judas. And his brethren. And Judas begat Perez and Zerah of, Tam of Thamar. And Perez begat Esram. And Esram begat Aram. And Aram begat Aminadab. And Aminadab begat Naasen. And Naasen begat Salmon. And Salmon begat Booz of Rechab. And Booz begat Obed of Ruth. And Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David. The king and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been wife of Urias, and Solomon begat Rehoboam, and, and it continues. And you get all the way to Mary. Can I help you understand something? That lady named Rahab is Rahab. She's in the line of Jesus Christ. You can move forward despite your past. Guys, but the story doesn't end there. There's four ladies mentioned in the thing I just read. 
In the six verses I just read, there are four ladies mentioned. The first one is, and Judah bear Phares uh, and Zerah, verse 3, of Thamar. Thamar is Tamar. Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law. Judah was in a bad place. Judah was out with his flocks. And long story. But basically this, Tamar played the harlot, the Bible says. And Judah conceived a child through Tamar. Did you see that? Look again. And Judas begat Phares and Zerah of Tamar, and Phares begat Esram. Interesting. And I want you to see the next lady. The next lady is Rahab, the harlot. Interesting. The next lady is found in verse 5 again. And Boaz, or Booz, or Boaz, as we know, begat Obed of who? Ruth. Let me ask you, who was Ruth? Was she, was she a good Israelite lady? No, she was a Moabitess. She was from, again, not a, a person of God. And, and again, she, it, it was almost as she needed a kinsman redeemer. Her past was something that she wanted to forget. But yet God comes in and redeems her. And I want you to see the fourth lady. You find it in verse 6. And Jesse begat David the king. And David begat who? Solomon. Do you know who Solomon's mother was? Bathsheba. Guys, are you getting the picture yet? Bathsheba had an adulterous affair with King David. Out of that, the child dies. We understand that. But the next child she has is the great King Solomon. The next lady, well, there's actually five ladies in all of this. The next lady is Mary, the mother of Jesus. What I'm trying to get across to you today is this. Your past, guys, your past can move you forward despite, excuse me, you can move forward despite your past. It doesn't, you, uh, listen, please understand, I am not trying to say, hey, go ahead and sin and do whatever you want. That's not what I'm trying to say. God can still use that. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say, your past doesn't have to hold you down. Your past does not have to keep you looking backwards. Your past can move you forward. God can use you despite your past. Some of you have gotten into sexual problems in your life. God can use you even if you've done that. God is not done with you. God can help you through that. Listen, it doesn't matter if you've given yourself away. God can still use you. You're going to have to do some things that turn that around. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to say, I have a problem. I have a problem with this sexual desire. I have a problem with the things that are going in my, on in my life, and I need some help, and I'm going to study the Bible, and I'm going to understand what it is God wants me to do, and I'm going to claim his promises. And if you will do that, and do that consistently. And no, not go back. Listen, the Bible is clear. You can move forward. In a mighty, mighty way. Some of you may have gotten into some substance abuse in your life. Please understand, God is not done with you. God is not done with you. You say, I, I can't handle it anymore. It, it, it's overcoming me. I can't, I can't deal with it. Listen, first problem. First thing is saying, I have a problem. 
I have a problem. Listen, most of us don't want to tell anybody we have a problem, do we? Most of us want everybody to look at us and say, oh, you're perfect. What you're doing is you're lying to yourself and you're lying to everybody else. The Bible says if you look into the mirror and you behold yourself and you walk away doing nothing, you deceive your own selves. The first step is admitting you have a problem, putting it on display and saying, this is the problem I have, and then trusting the promises of God. I had the opportunity to go to a teen challenge graduation. Five men completed the teen challenge curriculum in a year. Teen challenge is for people who have substance abuse or some some sort of uh, addiction problem. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, God is not done with those people. Many of them were going to Bible college. Listen, God can use you. I I sat there, tears welling up in my eyes at what a wonderful thing God has given. Listen, your past does not have to hold you down. Keep moving forward. Some of you have maybe gotten into a bad place in your marriage. Admit you have a problem and move forward. Some of you may have gotten into a bad place with your parents, teenagers. I don't know where you are with your parents, but if you've gotten in a bad place, listen, you can change that around. You can move that forward. Get a hold of God. Say you have something that you've got a problem with and let God work it. Obey God. Trust him. Some of you may have a past, but God is not done with you yet. He can still use you and not just use you, but use you mightily, mightily. Don't let Satan, the accuser of the brethren. Do you realize he's that? He's the accuser of the brethren. You know what he's saying? You're a harlot. You're an adulterer. You're an adulteress. You you don't deserve to be in this position. And you're right. He's right. You don't deserve to be in that position. But by the grace of God, we can. But by the grace of God, we get to move forward. You tell that Dirty old Satan, get thee behind me, Satan, and I'm moving forward. God has said that we can move forward. We, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Listen, you can't live on your own. You can't do it on your own. It has to come out of every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Guys, we can move forward despite our past. Own your past. You did it. You did it. It was nobody else's fault. It was your fault. You did it. It happened, but don't let it knock you down. Don't let it hold you down. Hear the instruction of the Lord. Obey him in faith. And the Bible says that he will exalt you. He will exalt you in due time, and I believe beyond your wildest dreams. If you put yourself in Rahab's situation, how, how could God use me? How could God use me? I've done so much wrong. I've done so many bad things. I've done this, that, and the other thing. A little bit of faith is a grain of mustard seed. Move mountains. And in this case, I believe that her house didn't fall down. Because of that, she's in the line and lineage of the Jesus Christ that we know has saved us. Listen, I don't know what your past is. Some of you, I have a good idea, but there are many. I don't know everything. I don't know what your past is. I don't even know if some of you are saved. 
If you even know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, can I, can I assure you that no matter what has happened, no matter what you've done, God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave. Gave his only begotten son that whosoever, doesn't matter what your background is, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what we get. Listen, it doesn't matter your past. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. John chapter 3 tells us that we can be born again. It can happen if you will just follow the instruction of God. Put your faith in him forward despite your past, despite what's happened. Let's move forward.